Hi, my name is Aisha McGowan, also known as a Quick Brown Fox. This is Quick Brown Foxes, a podcast that seeks to answer the question of how to get more women of color into cycling by asking women of color how they got into cycling. This week, I'll be talking to Michelle Cook, owner of Roxbury Rides, a cycling consultant, a league certified instructor, and a moderator in Shiro for the Boston chapter of Black Girls Do Bike, based in Roxbury, Massachusetts. So my name is Michelle Cook. I currently live in Boston, Massachusetts. I am from New England, um, was raised in Boston as well as Cape Cod. Um, for some, it's very different, but I am a New Englander. Um, I like to say that. And I identify myself as a Black woman. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, Michelle, when did you learn how to ride a bike? Well, I learned when I was on the Cape because uh, when we where we lived on the Cape, there's not really a lot of places for us to go without a bike. Um, my sister made me get on a bike, and I started to ride as I, you know, as a little girl. I was probably maybe about five or six. Um, we moved back to the city, and my mom was afraid of us riding on the street, so we stopped riding. We rode a little bit, but not as often as we did on the Cape. I only got to ride when I was visiting my grandmother. Um, so I completely stopped as an adult, got married, had children. Um, how did you learn how to ride a bike? My sister was made me get on it, and she was holding the seat behind me, and I had to pedal, and then she let go. and. She said, if you don't, if you stop pedaling, you're going to fall. And so I was scared <laughs> and I kept pedaling. I mean, I kept pedaling straight into the neighbor's yard, but I was pedaling. So um, <laughs> did you stop before you fell and or ran into something? I ran right into the bushes, oh, <laughs> straight okay. smack into the bushes. So. That is one way to stop. <laughs> <laughs> and back then we didn't have brakes. It was kind of like you had to um, reverse your pedals, oh, the, back pedal? to the yeah. back pedal. So um, <laughs> you had to learn that really quickly, but that's how I learned. And I was what my dad always liked to call was a super tomboy. So I wanted to, the boys were always riding, the boys were always going somewhere and I always wanted to be with them. And in order for me to go with them, I had to learn how to ride. So that was my motivation to ride. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you learned how to ride. How old are you? I'm 48. No. How old were you when you learned? Oh, four. <laughs> I was, um, I had to be like six or okay. seven. So you were six and you said... There wasn't a whole lot of opportunity to ride. So by the time you got to teenage adult years, you weren't really riding anymore. Right. Um, we moved into the city and where we lived is super dangerous. A lot of cars and my mom just didn't want us to ride. And if we did get to ride, we could only ride on our street on the sidewalk. So it wasn't really a lot of in, places in the city for of us Boston? to ride. In, in the city of Boston, yeah. We lived in Roxbury, which is a town in Boston, and she was not letting us ride um, around like that. So we just rode on our sidewalks back and forth, up and down the street. And um, eventually you just stop, you stop riding because it's, it's not really as fun when you can ride on the Cape. When I'm on the Cape, I could ride all over this, all over the town because everybody looks for bikes, but um, and kids on bikes. But um, in Boston, not so much. 
Gotcha. Okay, so how did you find bikes again? Um, it was on a dare. So um, oh I was a runner. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a runner and I'm, I, I like to do a lot of different types of fitness activities. And um, I couldn't really run because anymore because my knees were starting to um, reject the running. And so my friend, I live, um, I lived in Newton at the time with my sons and I live right around the corner from Heartbreak Hill, which is part of the Boston Marathon. So mm-hmm. my friend decided he would dare me to ride a bike up um, Heartbreak Hill. And I didn't have a bike at the time. So I happened to go past a yard sale. They were selling a bike for 20 bucks. Didn't even know what a fitting was. Just bought the bike, put some air in the tires and tried to ride up Heartbreak Hill. Did you make um, it? No. (laughs) How Um, long of a hill is that? It is huge. Um, That hill is like a straight hill. It's probably about maybe a mile two miles it's a long hill so it's like a long winding hill um and that's why they call it heartbreak hill because it's like a pound when you're going up that hill if you're running it's a hard ride up that hill according to strava heartbreak hill located in boston massachusetts at mile 20 of the boston marathon is half a mile long 97 feet of elevation and holds a average three percent gradient according to nesn.com It got its name from a 1936 Boston Marathon when defending champion John Kelly passed leader Tarzan Brown at the Newton Hills and gave him a pat on the back. This gesture lit a fire in Brown who roared back to win the race. Apparently, Tarzan broke Kelly's heart at the hill, thus coining the name Heartbreak Hill. Ride or run. Uh, a slow walk, whatever. Um, <laughs> a, a walk. Right? A light walk. A light walk. That's my territory. It's like a run jog. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mixture. Yeah, there you <laughs> it, go. It's, it was rough. <laughs> um, but I really liked biking and I got hooked on it. And so I just started riding. So I started a little bit at a a time. So I would like ride to the train station and take the train into work. And then I would ride a little bit farther. And I kept doing that until I could ride back and forth to, um, from where I worked in Brookline. How long of a commute was that? Um, It was probably about eight miles, about six to eight miles. It wasn't that long. That's a substantial commute for some folks. It was. I stopped a lot of times. I had stopped a lot of times. <laughs> so, um, so that was just something I did. And then I moved back to Boston and I wanted to continue to ride. And so I just did it. And I happened to live in almost the same neighborhood that I grew up in. It's the same dangerous neighborhood, but I just do it. I just love to dangerous ride. Dangerous so. isn't that. And that there's not a lot of infrastructure for there's not bikes. a lot of inf- right there's not a lot of infrastructure. I live off of a um like a very big three lane street. Um, it's called Blue Hill Ave. So this street <laughs> goes. I hate it riding on Blue Hill Ave. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, no, not not so, not the best. <laughs> no, so um, riding there where I live, I live in Dorchester now, can be really um challenging, but um. People now know me, so they're like, oh, I saw you riding. Oh, there, there's Michelle. So it's kind of like people are starting to see me, and um, I just ride. I ride as much as I can, and I try to ride 
where I can. I try to also get other people, um, brown and black folks to ride to in my neighborhood and just have a good time doing it. So do you consider yourself purely a commuter? Um, no, I like to ride for fun. Um, I actually created an organization called Roxbury Rides, and it encourages people that live in the community that I live in, Roxbury, Dorchester, and Mattapan, to use biking as a form of transportation, exercise, and fun. So um, I create bike events. Um, I'm a league cycling instructor, so I teach people how to bike ride. Um, and I just want people to get that love of biking and just feel good about it and not feel like they're afraid of it. According to bikeleague.org, which is the website for the League of American Bicyclists, league certified instructors are ambassadors for better biking through education. After earning certification through a three-day league coach-led seminar, LCIs teach smart cycling classes to children as well as adults. Their goal is to help people feel more secure about getting on a bike to create a mindset that bikes are treated as a vehicle and to ensure that people on bikes know how to ride safely and legally. So I think I'm, I'm not a racer, but I do like to bike. And um, I also like to wear um, regular clothing. So if you see me biking, I'm in a dress or I'm in like a suit or something like that. So I always like to bike looking cute as, as my sons like to say. <laughs> what do you find were, when you started riding, what were the, the barriers for you? Were there barriers? How long did you have that? I'm asking a ton of questions at once, I know. Yeah, How long okay. did you have that $20 um, yard sale bike and you said you didn't know what a fit was but how well did it fit or how poorly did it fit um I still have her her name is Eartha Eartha <laughs> like, like Eartha Kitt Eartha. yes named after Eartha Kitt okay because um, she, she's vintage so I wanted to name her after some you know some glamour person According to wikipedia.com, Eartha Kitt was an African-American singer, actress, dancer, comedian, activist, author, and songwriter known for her highly distinctive singing style and her 1953 recordings of Ceci Bon and the enduring Christmas novelty smash Santa Baby. She's also known for a statement she made during a White House luncheon in January 1968 toward First Lady Lady Bird Johnson about the Vietnam War. She said, and I quote, the children of America are not rebelling for no reason. They are not hippies for no reason at all. We don't have what we have on Sunset Boulevard for no reason. They're rebelling against something. There are so many things burning the people of this country, particularly mothers. They feel they are going to raise sons. And I know what it's like. And you have children of your own, Mrs. Johnson. We raise children and send them to war. End quote. Her remarks caused Mrs. Johnson to burst into tears and led to a derailment in Kit's career. It also landed her a spot on the CIA blacklist. Um, and it wasn't a hard fit. I mean, it wasn't like it's a bad fit. I still can ride, um, ride her, but um, I've what progressed kind of bike a lot. Or what kind of bike oh, is she? Oh, God. She is a... Oh, God, you're going to ask me that. And she's sitting in the basement. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> I can't remember. What um, color? She's, she's blue. She's okay. blue. She's blue. And so, um, yeah, so she's, um, I'm going to remember as soon as I hang up from you. But, of course. Um, <laughs> it's a blue bike. It's, um, and she's great. And uh, she had the old-fashioned 
brakes, um, the old fashioned gears, I should say. And um, with like the down shifting, the down, the down shifting. tube shifters. Yes. So she had those. <laughs> and so it's um, like an old steel frame. Yes. And okay. uh, she wasn't super heavy. And um, she's been with, she was with me through the whole, through the whole ride, through the whole process. So she's, she's very important to me. So I will not give her up. That sounds she's, like a very good deal for twenty dollars. Yes, yeah, so twenty. I talked them down. They said thirty-five. I was like, oh, oh. twenty. So I talked them down. <laughs> very good, good bargaining. Right, right. Um, but I have, so, I have uh, increased and changed my bike slightly. So, at what point did you realize that or decide that you needed a different bike than Eartha? Like, what was that? Um, it started when I started just bike when I first started biking, and then. I realized that um, I'm an upright rider. I like to sit upright when I bike. I can't really bend as much as I'd like to, so I'm an upright, um, and I'm still on the hunt for that. Um, but I just knew that I had to progress, not only because of um, her not fitting me as well as I would like, but because then once people saw me biking and I started creating events, I needed a bike that would be a lot more durable and that would survive on bike rides, longer bike rides that I would do or rides that um, I would take people on. So I needed something a little bit more durable. Um, so wait, and how that, long, sorry, go, go ahead. How long after you started, okay, so you rode up Heartbreak Hill. How long yeah. after that did you start Roxbury Rides? It sounds like it was pretty fast within like two years, within I'll say a year to two years, because what happened was when I moved to Boston, I probably moved to Boston after I started riding maybe about three to six months after. And um, I would ride and then I started with just riding and then people started asking me, hey, let's do a group ride. So we would have a group ride. And then I wanted to see more people that look like me riding. That was my biggest um, issue is that I wasn't seeing people that look like me riding on the streets because they were afraid. Um, they in don't Roxbury? know how to bike ride in Roxbury and Dorchester. I mean, there are bikers, but not that are my age and that look like me, like not as many. Um, okay. I think I'm starting to see the change now, but when I first started riding, not as many people, okay. um, but they, you know, but they are getting, they are starting to come out. Um, and I think we were, we're all kind of like separated in little spaces. So I was in Dorchester, I live in Dorchester. Some folks are in Mattapan, some folks are in Roxbury. So we don't always get to connect, but now I'm starting to see more and more, but I really wanted um, women to bike ride because what was surprising for me was that a lot of black and brown folks don't know how to bike ride. And that was a surprise for me. They I didn't know how to ride bikes at all. At all. Like there are people that I know that they just said they've never learned how to bike ride. And they come to me privately because they are um, embarrassed. They're like, you know, I'm 35 years old and I don't know how to bike ride. I'm like, that's okay. That's why that you is learn. Definitely a barrier. Were it there, is a barrier. Are there other common barriers that you hear amongst, amongst um, folks? Fear, um, fear of biking, fear of um, always, I'm going to fall. They're afraid of that. Um, definitely fear of the streets. They are so afraid of riding in the streets. And so um, I try to do a lot of bike rides on trails to get people comfortable. Um, and then I also, for new 
riders, I will, if I'm doing a group ride, I try to pair them up with somebody who is a more experienced rider so that that person is riding with them and they're on the inside by the curb versus being right on the street next to the cars. So we kind of plan that so that they feel a little bit more comfortable if we're riding in the street. But usually I try to give those who aren't comfortable with the street um, an opportunity to ride on the on the trail. So we have a couple of trails that are not far from where I live. So what were your personal barriers when you started riding as an adult? It seems like you were willing to just jump in there, but like, was there something that you felt like you had to overcome or what were those things for you? I, I think my biggest fear was riding in the street and being comfortable riding um, with cars. Um, we have, a, you know, where I, like I said, where I live, there's a ton of cars and just being okay with um, enjoying myself. I think the cars were probably the biggest hindrance. Like I was afraid that somebody was going to hit me or um, I was going to run into a car. There was always that fear of, oh my God, the cars, but you just have to um, put that confidence out there. That's what I, I'm learning is just having that, what I call bike confidence. Okay. So it sounds like you are, you know, helping a lot of people break down their barriers. Was there somebody that did that for you? My sister, uh, my sister, my mom and my grandmother, um, they have always instilled with me. They, they, I call them my three moms because they all were my moms. Um, I think they instilled a lot of, uh, making sure that I was fearless like okay you want to try this then you try it if you don't like it you can at least say I tried it and so that had always that had always stuck with me um even when I was riding I told my sister I'm terrified I'm I'm afraid to ride and she was like what do you mean or I, I would tell her I can't ride and she's like there's no such word in, as can't in our house and so <laughs> well, well there you go what do you say to that <laughs> right <laughs> and um, that was who she was. And um, I love her for that because I think that that's what her and my mom, my mom worked really, really hard to raise us. And um, she really just instilled those values of don't give up. If you love it, keep doing it and um, just enjoy it. And yeah, enjoy the ride. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so did you have any set? backs or like once you started riding did you ever mm -hmm. stop or like what what was that journey like um so there were a couple of times where I had to um I stopped not you know for any other reason that um I my job kind of changed and I my job went from a uh four mile ride to um a 10 to 15 mile ride Okay. Just one one way. And that was a little much for me, you know, riding every day, trying to get there and then riding back. I would be riding over 20 miles every day. So right. that was a little bit too much. But um, I rode a little bit, parked my bike, got on the train and it works. Um, today I didn't ride. I didn't ride my bike today. Um, but I just, you know, the one thing I realized and I was actually talking to someone about this uh, yesterday was um the reason I ride is really for, it's a therapy for me. So I ride because I deal with depression and I deal with anxiety. And the one thing about biking is that it really calms me and it really soothes me. And I want to continue that. So when I, 
I, a lot of times when I felt like I was doing too much, I would stop biking um, because people were asking me, can you do this ride? Can you do that ride? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I was saying yes to a lot of people and I wasn't enjoying it. And so I had to really stop and really rethink and make biking something that I've always loved to do. And that's what I, what my focus is, is to ride because I love to ride. And if I have a group bike ride, everybody's welcomed and we have slow rides um, for people. And I just want to make it that I still enjoy biking because that's really my goal is to enjoy it because that's my method of therapy. So Roxbury Rides is like your passion project and then you have a full-time job on the, not I on do. the side, I guess the Roxbury right. Rides is the side, it's a side thing, job. Right? It's a side job. It's a side job. It's um, a side job. Trust what do you do? Me. What do you do when you're not Roxbury riding or riding a bike? Um, well, my full-time job, I'm an instructional designer for a, ho- a hospital. Um, and I what do does that. that. So mean? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's not as gorgeous as the title is. So I um, write <laughs> scripts. It's not. It's not. Um, I write scripts for, um, we have e-learnings and I build the medical record system and we do training. We train folks on it. So I'm a, a trainer, a corporate trainer, as well as building the system and writing scripts for the e-learnings that we do. So there's a couple of components to it. But um, the good thing... Um, well, I guess it's a good and bad thing. So I'm actually leaving the job. My job is coming. My contract is coming to an end this week. And um, everybody's like, oh, my God, what are you going to do? And um, I actually love that I'm leaving because it gives me time to really focus on what I, I want to do. And that's really getting back on my bike on a regular basis and riding the way I want to ride and really focusing on Roxbury Rides. And um, I'm partnering partnering up with my partner, um, we're creating a organization together because he's a hiker and I also do fitness. And so we wanted to pull our brands together and create something for those who have never been like in the outdoors, biking, hiking, camping, um, really those who live in the inner city and bring them out into nature and biking and walking and getting them really um enjoying the outdoors is really what I'm trying to do at this point. So that's going to allow me to have some free time to do that. So that my pet project is probably going to turn into my full-time gig. I hope it happens. Yes. <laughs> and I'm excited. I'm excited. It definitely happens. I'm does that excited. have a, does that have a name or a place where we can yes. find out more information yet? Yes. Um, so my partner has, um, he's already built the website. It's a, Urban Outdoors Association. So it's www.urbanoutdoorsassociation.org.com. Excuse me. <laughs> I always say it wrong. It's going to kill me. Dot <laughs> <laughs> com. You, okay. Yeah. So if you go to, if you just type in Urban Outdoors Association, we'll pop up. So you'll see his program, Hike for Life is his company. Then you'll see mine, um, Roxbury Rise. And I also have um, a holistic fitness company. So I'm doing a whole lot of things. Um, I have a fitness company where I um, talk about nutrition and health and wellness and um, just a holistic way of living and including biking and that and hiking. So I believe all of that is connected into your mind, body, and spirit. So that's what I'm doing. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm super excited. Okay. 
so you said you are a league certified instructor. Can you, how did you find out about it? Like, what was that process like? Um, so I was working with someone who um, was interested in putting, uh, had got a grant together and they said, hey, Michelle, we want you on this grant. So we were doing a billboard program where you see me all through the city and on the buses, you know, saying, I bike Boston, I bike for fun, I bike for health. And so it was all over the place. Like and your picture was on the city my buses. My picture was on the city buses <laughs> and really on billboards. Cool. It was really cool. Um, in fact, my cousin was coming out of uh, area and he said, I look up and I just see this big gigantic billboard of you and I couldn't believe it so we started that a couple of years ago and it just kept going and so the person who was doing the grant said do you think you want to become a league cycling instructor do you want to teach others and I'm a trainer by trade that's what I do I teach people and I absolutely love being an instructor I love teaching people even a, a, a medical record system. I just love being out and showing people things. So I was like, yes, sign me up. So um, I went to uh, St. Paul three days. In Minnesota. Um, in Minnesota. Okay. Um, took some vacation time from work. Um, went there. I think this was like about, I think it was about four or five years ago. Went there, spent, I think, three days, two or three days learning like obstacles, riding through a city that I've never been in <laughs> um, and having to actually literally train other people that I was riding. Part of the test was you, you guide people around the city. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? I and don't live here. <laughs> I, know, right? I was like, I don't know anything about Minnesota except Prince. And so I know nothing else. Um, so it was great though. I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about um, how to teach and people learn differently. And I wanted to remember that. And honestly, my grandmother stayed in my head when I was like, I don't think I can do this. She was like, you can do this. So that's that time during that time, um, the young woman who was doing the grant program called me, um, what did she call me? The executioner, because when you asked me to do something, I had to get it done because that was my goal. And so that is a I positive said, spin on that term. Yes, I like it. I was I, I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad. She, you know, she said, that's what I'm gonna call you. Cause she was like, every time I say, let's do this, you get it done. And that's awesome. Um, it just kind of everything started happening so quickly and so fast. So um, I do some programs where I teach young kids from in schools how to bike ride or how to ride safely, I should say. Um, I'm going to start this year with um, what I call bike confidence. I don't like to call it bike safety because when people hear the word safety, they immediately freak out and think, oh, we're going to crash or there's something. So I want right. people to build confidence. That's really my goal is being confident um, in their biking. Um, and I also do historical bike tours through Roxbury. So I grew up here and I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to research. So um, I do biking, I, when I bike ride and I talk about the history of Roxbury and, Do and parts of Dorchester because um, there's a really rich history that a lot of people don't know about. So um, I love doing that. And um, I also do different topic. I like to call my topic bike ride. So I'm going to have, um, like pretty um so everybody gets dressed up looks cute and rides because that's really my goal I like people to look cute when they bike um and just just 
bike rides throughout the city just to get people on bikes and feel comfortable and feel good and um, understand that biking is another form of exercise. It's another form of transportation and it can be fun. Man, I think that covers most things. Okay. Um, is there something that I haven't asked you that? Um, I think the one thing, I, I don't know, I, I guess um, when I, when people, when I get, when I get to teach people how to ride. So I also volunteer um, through Boston Bikes and I teach women how to bike ride. And I've had women as young as 18, you know, little children, and even as old as 75 biking and learning how to bike. And I think that my goal for what I'm trying to do is to get more women on bikes um, or women or folks who identify as women. I want them to get on bikes um, because I think that we've been told for so long that we can't do this. This is not for us. And so when I see someone like you and I see other people like riding and doing, you know, I'll never be a racer. I will never, but I just live through you vicariously. Um, <laughs> but I think that just understanding that there are different types of bikers and it's okay. And getting, um, getting us to get rid of that fear that we can't accomplish something because of, um, how we look, you know, oh, I, that was the other thing, you know, oh, I'm too big to bike ride, you know, I'm too heavy. It's like people of all sizes, shapes and colors bike. And I want women to be encouraged to be able to do that and feel confident and strong and motivated to do that and um, feel like this could be something that could take them to another place. Cause I know that biking took me to another place. Um, it got rid of a lot of anxiety that I have and got rid of a lot of um, things I thought I couldn't do. Um, like I got to go back and ride up Heartbreak Hill, even though I don't want to, but oh, I feel have like you not I have done to that finish yet. that. I have not done that yet. Oh man, you got to go do that. <laughs> I have like, to. You have to. <laughs> I have to. And so uh, we actually have a bike ride right before the uh, Boston Marathon. Right. It's a midnight bike ride. And I keep saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So next year, that is my goal to do go. that. Do the whole ride. marathon. Yep, do the whole marathon. I mean, because I used to sit out and cheer them on, but I was like, I'm not going up that hill. So uh, Marathon Monday is the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's fun, but I'm like, good luck with all that running. But um, I, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to watch. <laughs> well, I, let, let me be clear. Watching Marathon Monday is the best. <laughs> so you're going to have to come to Boston and ride with us. It's yeah. time, I guess. To it's, make, yes. to it's been a yes. while. You have to come to Boston. Yes, we I have to ride with Monday. us. Yeah, I don't no, know. No, I mean, we'll figure it out. Yeah, Roxbury you know, sounds great, though. I haven't been there in a while either. <laughs> so see, you have to come to Roxbury. So, I, I mean, it has changed a lot um, from sure. when I grew up. So, um and, and I mean, they are, they are working on the infrastructure in, in Roxbury. I push it. And um, council, councilwoman at large, Michelle Wu, has been instrumental. We, uh, last October, we 
uh, did a bike ride through the city so she could see what the needs were. And she rode with she us. She rode with y'all. Oh, that's she awesome. rode with us. We had a, um, so what I did was I had an event for her called Bike Ride with Michelle Wu. And we rode through the city. Um, shout out to Copenhagen for giving us those wheels um, so that she wasn't um, dying. Oh, so she had we like e-assist. She did. So we oh, had, awesome. she had a um, Copenhagen wheel and I had one so that I could kind of just show her and it was a lot of fun. So this is not super informative, but I just got an e-bike and I'm super stoked on it. And it also has e-assist. It is a Live Thrive E Plus X Pro. And it is now my car and my baby. And it's got a basket and panniers. And I just want to tell anybody who will listen how much fun it is to run errands and go places on my e-bike. Oh, but yeah, also you should try e-bikes because they're super fun. And I dare you to not giggle the first time. Okay, that was all. It was freezing that day and rainy and cold, and she stuck it Good out. Job, and um, <laughs> yes, I know, right? Thank you. <laughs> um, we're just getting warm, so um, it was great. It was great, and that's the kind of thing that I want to do. Um, I've never really considered myself an advocate or uh, any of that, but I've kind of gotten thrown into it, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay mm -hmm. with. Um, saying this is some of the things that we need. Um, and the one thing I've learned is not only being an advocate for cyclists, but being an advocate for pedestrians too, because they all, you know, my friend had a saying, you're a flat tire away from being a pedestrian. And I always keep that in the back of my head. <laughs> That's not the truth. Um, <laughs> so um, I always want to make sure that they understand that we respect them. And even motorists, I know they're a little, they're a little aggy, but um, it's important for us to respect and be able to share the road as humans, as people, if we and could, that's like, important. Somehow fix those relationships, like yes, the, the road user relationships. Things would be so much better. So it's mm -hmm. so it's it's unfortunate. It's just mm -hmm. a bunch of like really dangerous rhetoric and like yes. sullied, poor communication, and that's what it nails down to. We'd have so much less accident well collisions, not accidents, because right. most right. of this stuff is preventable. Crashes, right? And true, it's all true. it's just. Be, people being incredibly misinformed and yes. like uneducated about how yes. things can work yes. if we just cooperated yes. with each other. But I mean, I, everyone's I think, working on it. <laughs> yeah, we're working. I mean, it's a slow process. And, you know, the one thing I always tell, you know, I say to the mayor and I, I'm sure he's annoyed with me. But, you know, I'm like, if we're a world class city, we've got to be able to accommodate everybody that lives in this city and we've got a lot of riders we've got a lot of pedestrians and we've got a lot of motorists um we've got people that take the tea they all actually you know because i take the tea partially and ride i also right. drive i you know and i walk so i do all of those things and so every single thing affects me in one way or the other and you're so right we have to find a common ground and um you know, sometimes I yell at cyclists about their behavior. I yell at the motorists about their behavior and I yell at the pedestrians about their behavior. <laughs> we, you know, we all have to hold ourselves accountable for, yeah. um, for it. So I, yeah, I, I wish we could find a better way of making this work. And yep. I hope I'm around when it happens. I don't want it, you know, 50 years when I'm a hundred and I'm riding, I can't ride anymore. I'm not, I might probably will still be riding at a hundred. Yeah. I probably would. <laughs> we'll we'll all be out there. Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. Yes. I think I've taken up enough of your time, but okay, I well, was going you. to ask if you had 
one thing that you wanted to share with prospective bike riders who you feel like you represent or could identify with you in any way, what would you tell them? You're never too old. I'm 48 years old. Um, and you're never too old to start again. Um, you're never too, too black or brown to do something. It's not a white person's thing. It's <laughs> not um, unattainable, unreachable. It's something you can do. Um, is it for everybody? I like to say yes, but um, not always, but there are other ways of biking. Um, you know, tricycles, what have you, e-assist and stuff. And whatever you decide to do, do it proudly and do it confidently. I'm, I'm always big on that. Like I have on a skirt and I will ride my bike with my yellow head wrap on and my yellow and my black skirt. And people know that's what I do. And that's cool too. So bike ride confidence. confidently. Yes, I love bike confidence. You've got to be there confident you go. when you're riding. Yep. Super into it. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you, Aisha, so much. I see your little um, tag in the back of, on your wall. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's my, my one race number from the one time I did cyclocross. Yeah. That was me trying. I, I knew I wouldn't like cyclocross, but I decided maybe I'm wrong. I'm going to give it a try. And it was kind of fun, but not my cup of tea. So You are, I didn't, a, yeah, it's you are a freaking but powerhouse. I, I put it proudly on my wall. That's right. That I tried. I did try. <laughs> You're a freaking powerhouse. I remember when I first met you in Chicago and I saw you and like, I got tears in my eyes because I was like, oh my God, she's a biker like me. And then I was like, well, no, she's really not. She's like a racer. She's like a, a bike goddess. Like, a, you know, oh, but it was stop like, it. So, it was, I was so excited. I was calling my, um, my partner and I was like, babe, I met Aisha McGowan. And he was like the cyclist. And I was like, you pay attention to me. Good job. Cause I was like all excited. And he was like, did you take a picture? I was like, yes, but it came out really bad. And, then, oh. and, I, and so when I told him that I was interviewing with you, he's like, okay, were you jumping up and down when she sent you the email? I said, I did. I screamed a little bit and I scared <laughs> everyone in the house, but I think she didn't hear me. So that was okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That is super flattering, but also super unnecessary. Like, yeah, I, no, I don't really know. I consider myself to be a regular person bike person like anybody else and I think right. that's like a part of this whole project is to like get rid of that divide where people yes. feel like someone is bigger better or more right. capable or whatever the thing is it's just like no I right. am just out here trying also I might be trying it's a little harder and doing a little bit more yep. but that's right. just the choice that I have made <laughs> and and that's that's the important piece is like whatever you cycle I mean I just admire you because you're the first black woman doing this racing and I mean I clicked on you and I saw you and I was like who is this person this little bitch such a little tiny little thing and she's just getting it in but I was motivated I was motivated by that and I feel like even though I don't bike like you per se I don't race it was still a motivation like you look like me 
you're out there riding a bike so I can get out there and do it too. So that's what I mean by motivation. You know what I mean? Like that was what I saw in you. And so it was exciting to see someone else who biked, you know, like Courtney Williams in New York. I, she's my idol too. It's just people motivate me to like keep moving forward. So whenever I feel like I don't want to do it, I think of you all, like you all could be like, I ain't doing this. And so, you know, that's why I do what I do. I think the best part is that you may not realize it, but I'm sure a lot of people look at you the same exact way. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. We're it's funny little, because when I'm in... Little beacons of inspiration little, for right, everyone around us. Right. It's it's it's, it's cute because <laughs> a lot of people, if they hear a biking event, they're like, Michelle, is that your event? I'm like, I know it's really nice that you think I do that, but I do other <laughs> stuff too, but it's really cute. No, I'm not the only, you know, we've got Vivian, Ortiz. we got other people out here in Boston doing great things. So, awesome. um Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was so. really great speaking with you. It was Thank great you for your speaking time. With you. All right. You take care. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Bicycle, 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 bicycle race. Thanks so much for listening to this chapter of Quick Brown Foxes. If you'd like to learn more about Michelle Cook, you can follow her on Instagram at the underscore bikeinista. That's T H E underscore B I K E N I S T A. Thank you so much to my sponsors, Live Cycling, SRAM, Carmichael Training Systems, Cliff Bar, 100%, and Feedback Sports. Also, a huge thank you to current patrons, Amy Ongiri, Anna Schwinn, Anthony Ryan, Brian Jascott, Camille Raineem, Kat C, Christina Torres, Elizabeth Rankin, Ella Green, Flora Soon, Haley Nielsen, Jess Strangward, Karen Brooks, Leanne Evanson, Lillian Cool, Michelle Smith, Roland Hillgarth, Roy Steven, Sarah Williams, and Tara. I really appreciate it. If you would like to support me or this podcast, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash aquickbrownfox. For more things Aisha McGowan or a quick brown fox, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at I suppose, A-Y-E-S-U-P-P-O-S-E or at aquickbrownfox.com. And please remember to sign up for Do Better Together at dobetterride.com. Thank you so much and see you next time.